0: worship together this morning
1: with me dear father we do thank you for your grace we thank you lord that you love us so so much in spite of our sin in spite of our flaws lord uh, you have sacrificed your blood for us and i pray that in this next hour lord that you would soften our hearts that you would make them receptive to hear your word Lord, I pray that you would help us to um, daily uh, take up our cross, Lord, and follow you. Lord, I pray that we would be a light for our community. Lord, help us to be salt. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be upon Brother Danny today. I pray that as he shares this message on Samson, Lord, that we would be able to hear from you through that story into our own lives, Lord. And we'd be able to make that application. We want want to uh, adore you, Lord, and praise you for all that you have done for us. And we pray in the next hour that we would bring glory to you in all things. Amen. We are so glad that you're with us today, that you've chosen to worship with us. And uh, you you can be seated if you'd like. I'm not sure Steve may want you to stand again in a minute, but at least you have a short respite. I just want to say that uh, we are glad that you're with us, and boy, what wonderful weather we have. It's great to be able to come in the morning and, and not be freezing. I, I had to decide do I wear a coat or something this morning, so that was great. I uh, want to let you know, if you are a guest with us, that there are these cards in the pew pockets right in front of you. We would ask that you fill that out. We'd love to have a little information about you to reach out and just say we're glad that you're here. Um, Also, on the back side of that card is a place to put prayer requests. They may be for you or they may be for a friend or uh, somebody else that you know. We would love to be able to pray for that this week in staff. And so we ask that you do that. Again, we're so glad that you're here with us today. And we hope that this will be a great day of worship and God will speak to you. Thank you.
0: Amen. Let's continue our worship singing, Victory in Jesus. I'll have you stand here in a moment. so. We'll be We felt your presence. Father, our cry this morning is that our worship has been pleasing to you. Father, lead us into a time now to hear from you, to hear from your word. Father, we lift our pastor to you as he comes to the pulpit this morning, Father, to deliver the message that you've laid on his heart, Father. For us to hear today. And Father once again our hearts. Cry out for the people in Ukraine. Father we lift. This entire situation to you once again. And Father we pray. Father we pray. We pray. That you would have mercy. Father I pray specifically for Michael. And Jan Gott, who were actually in country, Michael was preaching earlier this morning in a church in Lviv. Father, we pray for their protection as they are there ministering to people. Father, give us a good day in your house today. May we be about your business. Not only just on Sunday, but every day. Father, may we be a reflection of you. May we spread your light in a world of darkness. Thank you, Father, for the blood that you shed to cover our sin. We thank you, we love you, we praise you in your son's name. Amen.
2: with David and that amazing battle that he had with Goliath. We talked about Elijah on top of Mount Carmel. I've received pictures from our group in the Holy Land. Um, on top of Mount Carmel, one of our favorite places overlooking the Valley of Armageddon. Um, what a historic spot that is. Uh, we've also dealt with Moses as a church the last several Sundays. I'm um, talking about Moses' call from God, um, Pharaoh's decision to finally relent and let the people go. We talked about the plagues and the Passover. And today we find ourselves turning our attention toward the great Old Testament figure, Samson. Now, Samson is a story that you probably heard all your life. Um, as I recollect back into my childhood, I would say it's one of the first stories that I actually remember. And if it be okay with you, I thought we would start with a Samson joke. If we can, Kathy's asking for these in staff meeting every single week. And so I am trying to oblige her and give her what she really wants. And so here's how this goes. All right. A teenager had just passed his driver's test. And so he comes home to ask his dad to buy him a car. Well, the dad saw the opportunity. He said, son, I I will get you a car. I think it's a fine idea. But there are conditions. First of all, you have to raise your grades from C's to B's. Second, I want to see you start studying your Bible. And then third, I want you to cut that hair, all right? And so those are the three things. And so the son goes away to evaluate whether this is a good option for him. And so after a couple of hours, he decides that it's a fair compromise. And so six weeks later, the father is astonished, right? right. The son is excelling in school, he's reading his Bible every day, but he has yet to cut his long, shaggy hair. And he goes to his son and he says, "'I'm very impressed with you, son, with what you're doing, you're passing all your classes, you're really doing great academically, I see you're reading your Bible every day, but why won't you cut your hair?' And he says, well, dad, after reading the Bible, I've noticed that, that, that people like Moses and Samson and Absalom, well, they all had long hair and best I can tell, there's evidence that Jesus may have had long hair too. And the father quickly responded, well, I also see there may be evidence that those men walked everywhere they went. Right. (laughs) And so that's your joke of the day. Somehow we got Samson in there. All right. Um, Samson is quite a character. Don't you love Samson? Let me ask you this. What image comes to your mind when you think of the great Old Testament figure, Samson? I want you to get the image in your head. Do you have it? And with that image, I'm going to read this theologian's comments. He says, what stands out most for people who read the Bible is Samson's great physical strength. He said, most of us picture Samson as a well muscled Mr. Olympia, somebody looking like The Rock or Arnold Schwarzenegger, but nothing in the Bible indicates that Samson had a powerful-looking body. When we read the stories of Samson in the book of Judges, we realize that he amazed people when he sprang into action. They were left scratching their heads wondering, where does this guy get his strength? They didn't see a brawny, muscle-bound man. They didn't look at Samson and say, well, of course he got incredible, he has incredible power. Look at those biceps. No, the truth is, Samson probably looked like an average, ordinary guy. Except for the fact that he had long hair, the Bible doesn't really give us any physical description at all. So, so that's interesting, isn't it? Maybe we ought to think differently with what we see in our mind. But past these mental images that all of us have, The story of Samson begins before Judges 14. I want you to go ahead and take your Bibles, though, and go with me to Judges 14, and we're going to pick it up there this morning because it's there that begins what I'm going to call today Samson's downward slope. I could also call it today Samson's spiritual decline. You see, all of these Old Testament figures, anytime we study them and read about them and talk about them, we ought to look for principles that we can absorb and take into our own lives to help us live the Christian life. And and so that's going to be our goal with Samson. And today I want us to look at the steps on the slippery slope of spiritual defeat. Do you realize that any of us who begins to move away from God, there are steps that we take along the way? Rarely do we ever fall away from Christ in one day. Usually it's a gradual decline, and so today I want to look at the steps that Samson took in this downward decline away from God. And the very first step is this, number one, Samson defied his parents. Samson defied his parents. He did not follow his parents' wishes. He did not follow his parents' commands. And so with that, we arrive at, at Judges chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Let's stand together. As we, as we get into God's word today, we will, we will march through the book of Judges just a little bit. But I want to start right here with Judges 14, 1 through 3. Remember, Samson is defying his parents. Samson went down to Timnah. And saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. His father and mother replied, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistine to get a wife? And so that's where we're going to begin today. My prayer is this. I pray that God would speak to our hearts, but I want you to know my personal prayer for us, and I pray this for myself. I pray in Samson's story that God would convict us of sin. Let's go ahead and be seated. I want you to circle the words today, went down. You see that in the beginning? Samson went down to Timnah. Now, that's not only true geographically, and that's the way the Bible is referring to it, but it's also going to be true morally and mentally and spiritually for Samson. He is going down at this point, right? You see, at this time in Israel's history, God forbade them from marrying outside the Hebrew tribes. He was making sure the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, maintained their identity, their spiritual heritage in a land where there were all types of pagan different people. And he basically said, I want every Jewish man to marry a Jewish woman, I want every Jewish woman to marry a Jewish man, and here's Samson going outside of God's plan. He's going outside the plan of his own parents. He he wants to marry a pagan woman. If that's not enough, it's a Philistine woman. And if that's not enough, it's the greatest enemy of the Israelites. You see, Samson knew that Jews were only supposed to marry Jews. Let me tell you a story. It's a story of of two third-grade boys. And guess what? They both loved the same third-grade girl, right? Her name was Gail. She was Little Miss Peanut Festival. She was the most beautiful little third grader you've ever seen. She was as cute as a bug. And so those two boys, they were at war over Gail. And they competed for her attention every single day until one day one boy gave a letter to the other boy, and here's what it said. It said, you can have Gail because my mom told me last night I can't marry a Gentile, right? Well, folks, that's exactly what Samson was taught by his parents. He had been taught that his entire life, but he comes to this point where he doesn't want to have anything to do with that. He knew that Jews were supposed to marry Jews. Now, let me ask you this morning, is there a New Testament principle we can extract from this? Can you think of anything else in the Bible that says the same? Well, obviously, if you've been around Scripture, right, you know 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, "...do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wicked have in common, or what fellowship can light have with darkness?" We we can learn from Scripture here, and I believe that it's true. I bet many of you do as well. I believe it's God's plan for every Christian man to marry a Christian woman and every Christian woman to marry a Christian man. Say amen if you believe that. The Bible says that. It says clearly that a Christian is to not to be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. So the first mistake that Samson makes is that his parents and God had a plan for him, but he defied their authority. Let's talk about this second step as we continue to go down. Samson also defiled his body. How do we know this? Well, we know this because Samson was a Nazarite. He had taken a Nazarite vow. Folks, that has nothing to do with Jesus who was called a Nazarene. Those are two totally different things, right? But if you read number six, you don't have to turn to it. We'll just talk about it. You were told that if a person is totally dedicated to God, then they can take this Nazarite vow. And here's what it meant. There are three things that we need to understand. First, it meant that all of their life, they were not to drink strong drink. They wouldn't even eat old grapes, all right? Number two, they were never to have a razor come upon their hair for as long as they were committed to the vow. And then number three, they could never ever touch any kind of dead body. No human corpse, no animal carcass, no dead bodies. So with that understanding, now we can read Judges 14, 6 through 9, and you'll see exactly how Samson defiled his body. Judges 14, 6 through 9. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson in power, so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands, as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. And then he went down and talked with the woman, and he liked her. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. In it was a swarm of bees and some honey, which he scooped out with his hands and ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some, and they too ate it. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Do you see that? Do you see what Samson just did? He had broken the Nazarite vow. And now let's ask a very bold question. Isn't it sad that there are a lot of people today who break their vow to the Lord just to scoop out a little honey of pleasure in one place or another? And you see, we might begin to think that it's no big deal. It's such a small, insignificant thing. But when you make a commitment to God, God takes it seriously. So now let's connect the dots. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians. This time, 1 Corinthians 6, um, chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Here's what it says. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, Paul says. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Baptists have been known forever for the things that we don't do, right? Unfortunately, it's not about the things that we do. It's the things that we don't do. But we should say this again today. It's not a Baptist idea. It's a biblical idea. You shouldn't abuse your body with drugs. You shouldn't abuse your body with alcohol. You shouldn't abuse your body with tobacco. Not just because it's not a, it's, it's a bad thing to do, but because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's actually a spiritual act of devotion to care for your body. Samson defiled his body. So now let's move on with the story. I want to just tell it to you here for a second. So Samson uses this little incident, right, of scooping honey out of the, out of the lion to make a riddle, and if you know the story, it's really pretty interesting. He he goes down to Timnah to have a big wedding feast, right? He gives all the men in his wedding party this riddle. He's trying to trick them, and he bets them 30 different changes of clothes that they can't get it. That's a lot of money, right? Think about buying 30 sets of clothes. And here's the riddle. Out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. And he says, guess what it is? Well, they couldn't figure it out. So his Philistine fiance gives them the answer. And they guess the riddle and it makes Samson so angry he leaves his own wedding in anger. Later though he decides that he he still likes the girl. He goes back to claim his bride. The problem now is the father thought he didn't want her anymore so he already gave her away. And now Samson is what? He is raging with anger. And this brings us to the third step on a slippery slope. Samson now demanded revenge. And here's the part of the story that we really begin to connect with historically. Let's go to Judges 15, now verses 3 through 8. Samson is demanding revenge. Samson said to them, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. So he went out and caught 300 foxes. And he tied them tail to tail in pairs. He then fastened a torch to every pair of tails, lit the torches, and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. He burned up the shocks and standing grain together with the vineyards and olive groves. When the Philistines asked, who did this? They were told Samson the Timnite's son-in-law because his wife was given to his friend. So the Philistines went up and burned her and her father to death. Samson said to them, since you've acted like this, I will not stop until I get my revenge on you. He attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. And then he went down and stayed in a cave in the rock of Edom. All right. Now, that's not enough, though. I mean, you would think 300 foxes tied tail to tail, setting them on fire. That's that's a pretty good act of revenge. But look at what he does next. Go to verses 15 through 17. Still in, in Judges 15. Look at this. We pick up the story. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said, with a donkey's jawbone, I've made donkeys of them. With a the donkey's jawbone, I've killed a thousand men. When he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was called Ramoth-Lehi. Now, do you know what Ramoth-Lehi means? Anyone? It literally means Jawbone Hill. Indulge me for a minute. In other words, I think Samson right there sang a little song. I found my thrill on Jawbone Hill. I made my kill on Jawbone Hill. You're welcome. Now, oh, please don't, please. What was it about? Revenge. The whole thing, revenge, right? They had mistreated him. They had done him wrong. They had hurt his feelings. And now he was going to get them back. He was going to get them back. What does Jesus say in the New Testament? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, is Samson doing that? Not on your life, right? No, in fact, he's even ramping up the Old Testament adage, an eye for an eye. He's not doing an eye for an eye. No, he's doing an eye for everything, right? He's slaughtering thousands of people. He's ramping it up. Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Let me ask you, that's called the golden rule, right? But what's the golden rule in 2022? We've kind of changed it, haven't we? I think it's actually this, he who has the most gold makes the rules. Or we twist it this way, do unto others before they do unto you. Folks, that's not what our Lord said. He said the way you want to be treated by other people, you treat them that way first, regardless of how they've treated you. This is the third step in in Samson's decline. He defied his parents. He defiled his body. He demanded revenge. And now the fourth one, Samson deceived himself. You see, Samson, this is a sad story. He thought he was so strong that, that he wouldn't give in to temptation. And what we learn here is there's not a single one of us that's ever beyond temptation. You say, well, when I get to be older as an adult, I'll know better. Well, we still fall to temptation. How did Samson deceive himself? Well, he thought he could sin and not get hurt. He thought he could play with fire and not get burned. And so we pick it up in Judges chapter 16. Look at 16.1 right quick, and we'll see the issues. One day, Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. Go to verse 4. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Now, we don't know if these two women were the same or not. Some say yes, some say no. But, but either way, let's pick up the story because the Philistines, they want to get back at Samson. He embarrassed them. He crushed them, right? He did damage to them, and they used Delilah as their secret agent. They want to know what the secret to his strength is so that they can conquer him. So as only Delilah could do, she goes to Samson. And I can just hear it, right? Samson, sweetie... Would you please tell me where you get your strength, right? Well, Samson starts on this trail. The first thing he says is, well, if you tie me up with bowstrings strings, like a bow and arrow, well, then I'll be the same strength as other men. But but she warns him, and boom, he breaks the bowstrings. strings. She says, Samson, you weren't honest with me. Don't you trust me? Come on, tell me the secret of your strength. And he says, well, the, the truth is it's really new ropes, if you tie me up with new ropes, I'll be just like any anybody else. But he, but he shreds the ropes. And, and she says, you lied to me again. Come on, tell me the truth. And then he says, if you take my hair, you see how he's getting closer to the truth? If you take my hair and make seven braids and weave it into the loom, well, that didn't work either. So now we arrive at Judges 16, verses 15 through 17. And now the truth finally comes out. And look at how she says it. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength with such nagging. It's right there in the Bible, man. With such nagging. (laughs) Don't amen that. Notice who's not in town when I said that. All right. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said. Because I have been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. Folks, that night he goes to sleep, he lays his head on her lap and she cuts his hair, she shaves his head and then look at verse 20. This is one of the saddest verses in all the Bible. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and he thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. And here it is. But he did not know the Lord had left him. And with that, we ought to be crushed. What a tremendous lesson this is about the subtleness of sin. Samson didn't just jump into this moment. It didn't just happen. It was a gradual decline. Let me talk to Christians this morning. I'm talking to Christians who can't lose their salvation we believe and know scripturally, John ten ten. Once you're in the family of God, you're always in the family of God. You'll go to heaven when you die. But we need to say this today: it is possible for you to lose your spiritual effectiveness, and it's possible for you to lose your spiritual power when you play around with sin, folks. This can happen, and it most likely will happen. You'll wake up one day and you'll think, "I've got it all together. I can still go do what I've always done." and you you won't even know the power of god has left your very life you see we can deceive ourselves you can deceive yourself and it happens gradually you've heard the story about the frog in the kettle right we know that story You can put a frog in a pot of boiling water, it'll jump out immediately, right? But you can take that same frog and put it in lukewarm water and then gradually increase the temperature and you can literally boil that frog to death because it never knows what's happening around it. It's all going so slowly. That's the insidious nature of sin and temptation, It's very slow, it's very subtle. If you're not careful, sin will slip in and you'll lose your effectiveness as a follower of Jesus Christ. Listen to Judges chapter 16, 21. Then the Philistines seized him. They gouged out his eyes. They took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding in the prison, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shamed. Folks, here's the deal. Here's the deal, we have to hear this, sin always blinds, sin always binds, and sin always grinds. It feels good for a season, but there is a payday someday. And I remember as a kid looking in this big Bible, this old illustrated Bible, and one of my favorite pictures was this big, old, bald, and blind man pushing this millstone. And I would look at it, but I've got to be honest, it always scared me. But I always looked at it over and over. It's a picture of what sin will do to you. That's what sin did to Samson. It's what sin will do to us. It'll blind you. It'll bind you. It'll grind you. And someone said it like this. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and it'll cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. That's what sin does. I'm going to say that again. Sin will take you farther than you wanted to go. It'll keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. And it'll cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. So how's this story end? Because right now it's terrible, right? Well, best I can tell in Scripture, the whole story, I see Samson voice two prayers. And the very last prayer that he voices is found in 1628, and I want you to read it with me. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just once more. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines from my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood. Bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other, Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. And thus he killed many more when he died. Then while he lived, then his brothers and his father's whole family went down to get him. They brought him back and buried him between Zerah and Eshterol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had led Israel 20 years. And, And I like what Samson prayed. Just give me strength one more time. And the Spirit came upon him, right? And he pushed This text says, with all of his might. But I think we ought to correct that just a little bit. He pushed with all the might of Almighty God. And it's then that the building came down, at least in the end, right? Samson did something to redeem some of the mistakes that he had made. And it leads me to give us this one last thing that we have to glean. Friends, God is in the business of restoring failures, God's in that business. He's in the business of making something out of folks who have blown it big time. So if you're here this morning and you're plodding down that slippery slope, then I just beg of you, stop and turn around. But if you're here this morning and you feel like you've already done that, right? You've failed the Lord. I want to say to you, don't despair because God's in the business of restoring failures. He did it for Samson, and he can and will do it for you. But please, as we close, don't, don't forget this. Sin will take you farther than you ever wanted to go. It will keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. And it will cost you more than you ever planned to pay.